Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast for Wednesday, February 13th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And it's our last big, I guess it's our last big slate before the All-Star break, which starts on Friday. I don't know about you, buddy, but I am, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the All-Star break. Usually I, I, I find myself like looking forward to it, and then by like day two, I'm itching for something to do. Do you have similar feelings about the All-Star break? In the past, we've used this as like times where we've traveled or kind of gone away because it's one of our few times where we can actually do anything do you get excited for the all-star break or do you feel like are you kind of missing basketball by the time it's i don't know it's like wednesday of that week <laughs> uh yeah i'm missing it by the time it kicks back up i mean i certainly am happy for a break but basketball is a sport for a dfs sport that i usually look forward to participating in on a night-to-night basis so yeah i'll miss it for a few days but it'll definitely be nice for us to both have these are the only days of the year where both of us are off at nighttime so that's a good thing for sure yeah, which is pretty wild. I feel like uh, it's kind of an underrated thing about this is that just like the the ability to have to be around all, just kind of all the time does is, is something that ends up can take a toll on you. But the the All Star break is one of those times that represents a nice little break. All right, we're gonna and then eventually I just like by the by the Sunday I'm like, oh, is there any NHL going on here? Maybe I'll just like throw in a bunch of NHL optimized lineups here because I've even, for a sport that I've never ever watched before. All right, let's let's talk about this <laughs> 11 game basketball slate. Uh, we have a lot, a lot going on here. There's a lot of injury stuff sort of hanging out, hanging out in the ether. We'll try to make sense of it as much as we can here at nine o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but that's a lot of this is going to get fleshed out as we just kind of roll throughout the day and obviously going into lineup lock. We'll be live streaming our lineup lock thoughts on Twitch tonight, so go check that out. And dfsr.com/mba will get you that free trial. You get the optimized lines for NBA, NHL, and the chat room also. All right. First game, Brooklyn goes in and plays Cleveland. Brooklyn six and a half point favorites here. They are a team for sure that just wants to keep winning. They're 500 right now. They're in the playoffs in the East. They're probably going to make the playoffs. Cleveland obviously going a different direction. They have got Kevin Love back, but last game, he, well, the first game he played like eight minutes. Then the second game, it looked like he was going to play 32 minutes because he played 16 first half minutes and then just sat out the second half. Uh, so that was kind of the end of him, although it does seem like his minutes are trending the right direction. Larry Nance was a pretty popular play. I I mean, I feel like there's probably something to be said for the Cavs here. We can talk a little bit about Brooklyn, but the Cavs, I mean, Sexton, Nance, I mean, these guys were sort of popular plays on any given night. Could you see going back to them against a Brooklyn team that will give it up, uh, especially the bigs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Brooklyn is one of those matchups. You know, we talk about this night in, night out, but some matchups are such that you can play guys that are otherwise pretty fairly priced, and I think... You know, when it comes to Sexton, Nance, we've seen these guys crest in a pretty significant ownership on the right nights. And actually, Sexton in particular, uh, we saw him really being pretty well owned against Boston and Washington. And it was not as good against Indiana, but the, it's very clear to me that the plan is to play him high 30s minutes in anything other than the worst possible game script. So for Sexton in particular, I'm very interested. And in fact, I would guess that he'll show up in some lineups of ours before the night's over. Uh, Nance... I'm a little bit less sure on just because in in the same games where 
Sexton was playing big minutes. Nance's have kind of come and gone a little bit. Maybe you well, have a different opinion, but it's just, it's, um, it's mostly I should I should couch this by saying it's the Ante Zizek if he plays or not. Like if Z, so Zizek sat last game and right. Nance got the start at center, and if that was the case again, so it's, it's really a Zizek thing. If like it just depends what Nance's role. If he's starting at center tonight because that's he's like their last yeah, available course. big, then that's where you're going. If if Zizek plays, and I think you can be off him. One thing about one thing about Sexton, Sexton's like the perfect guy if you're a tanking team that you can just play tons of minutes because he's super inefficient, he's terrible at defense, and that's like one of the reasons they can just play him 39, 38, 42 minutes on, on games yeah. where they're just trying actively to lose. I mean, the Knicks won both those teams are trying to lose, so they kind of it was like a you know, tank off during that game. But yeah, that's where I, I don't get so worried about Sexton because he's not like increasing their chances really to win games. And so where the other guys might get burned off, I mean, the team's, I almost got the explicit tag here, the team's effing horrible, so whatever. <laughs> um, the <laughs> this, But he, he kind of just, you know, he can get out there and do a 7 for 21, 2 for 8 for 3, play 39 minutes, score 20 points. The, the price has come up a little bit. But um, yeah, I think I think mostly we're waiting on the Zizek news. And then on the, the, on the net side, they are 6.5 point favorites, but an 11 game slate, you're hard pressed to play Nets guys unless like three guys are injured and there's four, a four game slate. Am I right? Have I summed up this team from a DFS perspective? Yes. I, just, I just don't know what else you do with them. They've all played 20 minutes. A big slate, too. Like an 11 game slate, you're just not going to run any Nets here going the other way. They, the minutes aren't consistent enough and the performance isn't consistent even for the guys who do get minutes on a more regular basis. So I'm sure some people will take a stab, especially for big tournaments, but it's not for me. All right, uh, Milwaukee goes in and plays Indiana. I gotta get, I gotta hand to the Pacers. The Pacers lose Oladipo. They've won five in a row. I, like they are just still remain a team that is going to just try, even though they've lost their best player. They are actually now third in the East, four and a half games back for the Bucks. So this is, I mean, if the Pacers value, and it really seems like they do at this point, value playoff seeding because they, they've had won too many games. They're just too good. Uh, they're too good to tank in the East, is mostly even without Oladipo. This game has a pretty thin spread from a. Bucks team that will just blow the doors off teams almost kind of every night. Uh, like their their win their point differential is huge. Is this a night where we can one consider rostering any of these Pacers? Um, they have concentrated some of the more of their minutes around the starters, and then on the Milwaukee side, are you willing to go like max minutes? When I say max, I mean like you know mid thirties or higher minutes on guys like Giannis, guys like Bledsoe, Middleton, because that's really usually for a guy like Giannis, especially the only question is this game strike you as going to stay close enough that we can be aggressive on the on I'm mostly on the Bucks minutes, but I guess the Pacers too. Yeah, I mean you can be aggressive on the Bucks minutes. Just the big question is what does aggressive on the Bucks minutes really look like? Because even in the closer games, Giannis hasn't been playing more than 34 minutes. I get that there are exceptions to that rule, but I think projecting him for more than 34 minutes is, you know, borderline reckless. Uh you know, I get that there has been up and down game scripts, but like you can just see plenty of games where it ends within maybe you give them 35 minutes maybe that's, that's, that's the number i was gonna land on yeah. 35 yeah okay so, so 35 i think is reasonable um yana has been on this insane rebounding tear again recently like oh, yeah. i don't know man the nba is so would you say that the nba more than other sports well how do i ask this question are you Get taking there, like perceive like recent sample sizes more seriously in the NBA than you are in other sports like like I feel like if a guy runs for eight yards per carry in one week in football I don't care at all if a guy hits two home runs in a night in baseball I don't care at all but this like rebounding runs like this for Giannis like doesn't it look like an effort change or just something is different here like 15 16 17 rebounds in three of the last four games like I don't know now so I I I hear you and I think that it's case specific and I, I have a good example of this I'm actually I can't remember if they played tonight um I want to bring up Jonathan Isaac, and I'm just 
blanking if Orlando plays tonight. But um, I think, and this is a case where I look at him like, okay, what was he, who was he playing against? He was playing Chicago, awful, no bigs. I mean, I mean, they have Robin Lopez. Dallas, uh, they start Maxi Kleber at center. So, okay. Washington, twice. Uh, they ask Thomas Bryant, who they don't want to play minutes, and they go small all the time. Like, they just go, you know, Jeff Green at center at times and, like, kind of situations like that. And then Brooklyn, who is allows just a massive amount of opposing rebounds. So, I think for this run, I would say... I would just default to season averages, and I also agree with you that there are times where I think it's worth making shifts. Does that make sense? So I'm agreeing with you in general that there's time to do it, and this does not strike me as the time to do it with Giannis because I just look at this. I look at who he played. Like these teams are bad. Like this was like almost a perfect run of guys you can kind of just roll through uh, to grab a lot of rebounds, especially in a position like him. Is that a fair way to like sum it up? Yep. I don't, that, yeah, yeah okay. I think it's. A um, and obviously with Giannis, the the key here for the rest of the Bucks is that you don't really play the Bucks rest of the Bucks, unless Giannis uh, is out. So, That's it. I, <laughs> like, I just like, don't know what else to say. And then the Pacers, I, um, they, they, they've given more minutes to the starters. They have, they played some of the, at least like the front line, guys like Turner, uh, Thad Young, Bogdanovich, a decent amount. And I just don't see it really. I, I thought there'd be more opportunity with Old Depot out and they've been winning games, but that really hasn't translated to consistent fantasy performance from any of their main role players. I, I guess I, I think that's kind of where I'm landing with the Pacers. I mean, that probably helps if the Bucs are just a bad matchup here, but any thoughts on the Pacers before we move on? Now, the Pacers, I think, are... They're like a good version of Brooklyn almost, where it's like you just need additional value to open up in order to want to play these guys. And sure, it can be as close a game as it wants, but you know, guys like Darren Collison are already a little bit expensive for normal matchups. And to say nothing of, you know, Thaddeus Young and these other guys... They can get there on a night-to-night basis, but they are when they even when they've been playing their minutes recently, you haven't been thrilled with the performance. So no, I'm I'm not gonna play any Pacers probably. God, I was totally blanking on who they'd start at shooting guard. I was like, I was just really driving me crazy. At West Matthews, I heard they they signed West Matthews yeah, on, the, yeah. on the expiring. Kind of a good deal. sneaky good signing, by the way. That was a that was the one where it was like, okay, so they're clearly just trying to win a playoff series, right? Like that that course, that yeah. is what their signal that they were trying to do once they had won those games. I mean, West Matthews isn't a world beater, but he's an improvement over the Tyreek Evans kind of absolutely and he can he can play defense in a way that Tyreek can't either and, and giving him that element I think is a I think it was a good signing just a classic you know just grab this veteran who can fill the need for you Philly goes in and plays New York Philly coming on the back-to-back here tough loss at home to the Celtics last night Embiid is probably going to get fined because he quit to avoid the explicit tag here he said these effing refs suck. Um, was that what he said at the end of the game as part of his interview? So um, I, got a, I got a feeling he probably had a he had a complaint. He was really getting hacked near the end of the game, um, and they just really weren't calling anything. It was very it seemed to me to be inconsistently called. And that being said, the Celtics played well and were just able to beat them. But Philly nine and a half point favorites here. Again, tough game last night. They are a team that doesn't strike me as a team, A, that is wants to really rest guys. The seeding is probably going to end up mattering for them, uh, especially trying to get a home court advantage. And the fact that the Pacers have been better of late is a little troublesome to this, possibly to their playoff seeding. But you know, well, yeah, what I mean, do you the do? Pacers are two games up on them. Like, that's, that's what I mean. Certainly like, a problem. <laughs> yeah, and I think when they saw Oladipo go down, they're like, oh, they could probably pencil themselves into the fourth seed. And I think, you know, that might not be as much of a layup as possible. So, they're big favorites here against a New York team that's obviously in the tank, terrible at defense. And I don't know, this big slate, if they didn't rest anybody, are are the are these guys play are these guys still fantasy viable? Adding Harris really just does spread out some of the usage, some of the opportunity for these guys. Simmons is particularly taking a hit. What do we do with the Sixers going forward here? Are they just not a big slate team at this point with the addition of Harris? Or does is a team like New York that's so bad on defense maybe a time where you can maybe just even stack a couple of these guys? 
Yeah, I mean, Harris has been shooting more than I expected that he would. Uh, 14 shots in each of his last two games. I And I don't know if that's the way the Sixers envisioned it when they signed him either. So, uh, yeah, he, he chews into enough of those guys' usage and all at once loses his own usage from coming over from the yep. Clippers that I think he would just have too many mouths at current price points. And, well, you've seen a slight depression in price, you know, especially for Harris in particular. Uh, basically, when he came over, the price has actually ticked up a bit since he's actually been in Philly. But uh, since you really haven't seen any price decrease, a significant one for the rest of the guys, I don't see any of them as playable here. Especially, I mean, New York, by the way, lost 17 straight. So this is not, if you want to talk blowout risk, I think you could probably even bet the Philly side with the nine points and probably not feel too bad about yourself. I don't mind Embiid's 10-6 price on DraftKings. He was a guy we played last night. He basically ended up getting there near the end of the game. Um, it was it was kind of close, though. He needed he really needed that those crunch time minutes to, to get there. It was not looking good in the first half. His, they really no, DeAndre Jordan has no really no chance against Embiid, so it's just a matter of really minutes on him. And like you said, if the blowout is a risk, and I do think it is, the 9.5 could be low for a team like New York that's just really, really bad. I, I probably wouldn't mind avoiding it on a, on a big slate. And I think that Embiid, he's like the one guy on the team that I don't, I still don't worry all that much about from a fantasy perspective because he's clearly still the guy on this team, right? They added Harris, but and where the usage might drop off for the other guys, Reddick's been pretty good too. But um, I, I just don't see that as much with the bead. But on a big slate, I'd, I'd probably be a little bit worried about uh, about the blowout. All right, Detroit goes in. Oh, excuse me. Anything? We Dennis Smith on the New York side. We played him. He's played sort of big minutes at times. I don't know if the Philly this Philly game represents an opportunity here again for the Knicks. Kevin Knox has played some big minutes. It's, it's I think we played Dennis Smith in basically every game in New York, right? Except for the Memphis game. We were waiting and seeing on that game, and then since then we had him in there. Um, and I think that the price on Smith has ticked up enough, and this matchup is potentially bad enough. Like, you know, we still see all him get there against Toronto and to a lesser extent Cleveland when he was, like, priced in the mid-6,000s. But now, just like, again, everyone's the fun police, uh, this, the DFS sites these days, you're seeing a little bit of regression. The, the most troubling sign for me against Cleveland was the fact that both the shots and the minutes were down. That yep. tells me that New York had kind of seen enough after the Toronto game where he went four for 17 from the field. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're happy to lose by five to Toronto, all things considered, but it's still pretty painful to watch if you're coaching the team, right? So I think they probably told him to cool it off a little bit. And I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to make sure that the Dennis Smith we saw for those only those three games is really the Dennis Smith we're going to get going forward. And I think it's just good. You don't. The Philly's still a, this is an excellent defensive team. They're That's so what long. I mean. Like why, why force it? Right? For a guy that like likes to get to the rim, this is the exact team that you really just can't do that against. Uh, there's just no there's no space to operate, especially on the inside with the, with the amount of size that Philly brings to, uh, to the table. Okay, Detroit goes in and plays Boston again. Boston on the back to back for that aforementioned game against Philly last night. Uh, they, they sat Kyrie Irving with, I think, a thigh issue. It was either a thigh or an ankle. Oh, no, sorry, a knee, a knee sprain. Uh, he sat last night. He's currently questionable. Terry Rozier grabbed the start. All these Celtics guys, to me, even with Kyrie sitting, have been priced. He sat, an, again, let me sum this up. He sat enough in the short term, like over the last two weeks, that all of the guys who get usage bumps and just opportunity upgrades with him being out have all been priced into like just the fair zone, like the fair zone with him out, right? You're not getting him. You're not getting any of the Jalen Browns or Gordon Haywards, even Marcus Morris, to some degree, at any kind of a discount. And then Detroit, I mean, Boston's still just a bad matchup. I mean, out of an 11 game slate, Blake Griffin's kind of a guy that's sneaking into lineups here. I would feel very uncomfortable. I think if he was a guy that was sniffing around cash games. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, well, I think it gets tricky because, like we say every single night, power forward is just a problem you know like right. the reason he sneaks in the lineups at 9200 in a bad matchup 
is because your other options are guys like Kenneth Freed, PJ Tucker, you know, like it's just you just go up and down the list. Dario Saric is sneaking in and sort of some of the. Well, at least he's like, he's he's one. I we'll get to him in a second, but at least he's going to remain starting. Like he's he's a guy that I probably would be feel. But I agree with you on the other guys. Like okay, other fine. Guys. So even if you want to start him at fifty one hundred, if that's your best play on the yeah, slate, yeah, you can probably be pretty well self-assured that there's just not a lot of great things to look at here sure. as i'm scrolling down the list i'm not seeing a lot of names so i wouldn't be excited you know the an old axiom for dfs is you don't really want to spend up at a bad position typically because you're just investing more salary it's theoretically a lower points per dollar multiplier um, but sometimes you just get enough safety out of doing that that you kind of have to. So Blake is still on my radar. I, I don't think I'm going to cross him out if he sh- happens to show up in lineups, but I certainly wouldn't be like pumped about it. It's definitely not a reason to show up and play this slate. Yeah, uh, and I, there's not really not a lot of other injury news to go around here. Langston Galloway did start the last game for the Pistons. They'll still, you know, without Stanley, excuse me, without uh, having traded Reggie Bullock, that doesn't translate to much in the way of usage for really any of these guys. Sometimes Kennard sees some shots off the bench, and again, Boston just represents a, a bad matchup. They're just a very good defensive team. All right, Washington goes in and plays Toronto. Toronto, eleven point favorites here. They, uh, I, I mean, I wrote we had we wrote up. Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit because I wasn't trying to formulate my thoughts here on Kawhi. Kawhi, from a DFS and just uh, price standpoint, he represents a very good play tonight. A guy that's coming in at 9,500 on FanDuel, at least, into 100% lineups of small forward. And they're 11-point favorites in a game where Toronto could easily just destroy the Wizards here. Much in the Giannis line of thinking of where do we take minutes with a guy like him, Do we want? are we comfortable being aggressive because it just represents such a good matchup? Would we be worried that he just doesn't see a majority of the fourth quarter because Toronto's just taken it to Washington in a way that um, that they just you know the the blowout minutes are kind of in play here? What are your thoughts on Kawhi? Yeah, Kawhi, I think is interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like I've been burned on and off by Kawhi recently, and he's like rarely a guy. At least recently, since coming back from the injury, there's been no games that he's really popped off on the ninety five hundred dollar price point. I don't know. I mean, again, I get that you have to pay up somewhere, but would you be excited about running Kawhi out there in cash games? Like, I feel like even I'm even having concerns about the floor recently, frankly. Like the New York game, I think we played him in that game. Yeah, we did for cash games. He's been a funny one because basically on the season long prices, he's basically just a hair under value. Like, I'm sorry, if you compare his fantasy points per game on a season long basis compared to his current price, but I feel like he's been even worse since returning back from injury. Are you higher on Kawhi than I am here? Yeah, that's a hard one. This is one kind of goes back to the what do you do with the short-term performance when it's not really when it hasn't really been there. The rebounds have come and gone. The assist numbers. And again, it could be injury related too. That's the thing that spooks me. Like, and I get that they probably just we would be careful about him, but I don't know. Yeah, like the use. So you'd like to see he's uh, in let's see six. Yeah, last six games he's taken twenty or more shots four times. Oh, excuse me, three times. So half the time, half the games that he's played. 20 or more shots, and he's gotten to the free throw line a bunch. Like, he got to the free throw line nine times in one yep. game, 16, 17 times in another, 11 in another. So, the you like to see that. There's definitely uses there. I think it's just he just hasn't put it together with the rest of the stats, right? Like, the rebounds are not there consistently enough. The assists, again, like I said, come and go. And that is a byproduct, I think, of they're still trying to figure out a system where, like, he totally fits with the offense. He clearly fits. Like, they just they keep winning. And at times, it looks like they don't know if they just want to, like, play iso ball with Kawhi. If they want to like get into some kind of like flow, and I think that kind of shows with some of how the rest of these stats at times play out, and I think I'd probably be worried enough about the blowout that it just doesn't 
it, like, yeah, I was going to say, I think we're, we're a couple minutes high on him as well. We have him at 36 minutes right now. Recent game logs have shown him 35 being the peak since returning sure. from his little spat, uh, spat with injury. So not that he couldn't, but like, you know, we often, I, I think one of the good questions we've started asking is, is 36 minutes the expectation or would that be like in the perfect world? And I think we have tried to get away from projecting guys in a perfect world recently. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think I just mostly agree with all those thoughts on the on the Washington side. Thomas Sadaransky sat last game. Chasen Randall started uh, was a chalk play. Was absolutely horrible. Barely played. Um, so I, I just don't even know if he, even if Sadaransky were to draw this. Excuse me, were to sit out again and Randall were to draw the start again. I just really not a position. I think that you can. It's not. A, it's not a spot that I'm willing to go. You really can go overboard. I actually and I and I would do the same even if like Sadaransky started and they started like Jordan McRae or something like that. I think this is just a position. With, with guys mm-hmm. like Beal and Ariza, um, the, the emergence of Jabari Parker, he's another one that was chalk play, and he was absolutely horrible, uh, and Portis. There's just so much. These guys are so heavy on the usage that even if a point guard stepped in and played at cheap prices, they are going to be hard-pressed to find their shot being surrounded by the rest of this group. So I think that's a, it was probably a lesson learned by most people. With I mean, I played, we played Randall, and it made sense at the time, and... I don't know. I think lesson learned on the starting point guards here for the Washington when they have just a lot of these chucking ball hog sort of types on the team. All right, we're going to take a quick yeah. break here in a second. We'll be back in a second to talk about the 8 o'clock games. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. Houston goes in and plays Minnesota. There's a lot to talk about here. Okay, so let's start on the Minnesota side. They have injury news that is a mile long. Mile long? Mile deep? I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of injury news here for Minnesota. So, okay, let's roll through it. I'm going to go through it as quickly as possible. Wiggins is questionable. Tyus Jones is doubtful. The uh, Derrick Rose is probable. Teague is probable and played a lot of minutes last game after just basically sitting out, the, I don't know, sitting out for like a long time. Dario Saric... They say he's going to remain in the starting lineup over Taj Gibson. And last game, Luau Deng got started for Andrew Wiggins in the, in the turn back the clock machine, going, uh, getting into the time machine and going back to like 2011. Luau Deng actually wasn't even that. He was, he was kind of decent. Do we just need to wait on the moving parts here for the Timberwolves? Like, do you feel comfortable? Would you feel comfortable with Sarge just knowing he's in the starting lineup and that's just good enough? Yeah, Deng played 38 minutes last game. Is this one of those wait and see approach things? And. Are we worried that Houston just beats up on this team that has, I don't know, looked very bad at times? They've lost, they had lost four in a row before finally beating the Clippers, who are kind of effectively trying to lose. What are your thoughts here on Minnesota? Then we'll talk about Houston. I don't think I can worry about the blowout too much, just because this is a three-point game per Vegas, and I can't just start worrying about that. <laughs> three-point games, you know, it's a, a big enough slate. There's much bigger spreads on this slate. Uh, yeah, I think Sarge is a solid play, assuming he gets the start again. Uh, you know, I, I guess the thing I would worry about with him is we've certainly seen him perform on this price with this opportunity, but 
we just know that that like when I called him out as like not that exciting of a play earlier, it was mostly because we just know they do have other options if they just get bored of seeing him be out there because he can disappear on you at times, right? So I think you play stars just because the options are so poor tonight. I think you can certainly get away from him for big tournaments if you feel like he's going to be overowned for whatever reason. But yeah, it's a it's definitely a play that I think you might wind up sort of having to make given some of the other options here. And they started, and like I said, they played Dang 38 minutes uh, in that last game. He won 12 points, nine rebounds. If you start, if he started for Wiggins again, I, it was a little. It's a little easier to do that against a team like the Clippers, who kind of like at times run big and have just a couple like you know more like more wing type players. He, I, I'd be hard pressed to see how he stays on the court for a long time against this Rockets team. I could be wrong about that, and so I don't know, famous last words on the Timberwolves and what their plans are. Uh, I would be a little worried that that 38 minutes against in this matchup would not totally be there for Dang, and he might just be cheap enough that if he were to start for Wiggins again, it, it might not matter. On the Houston side, Austin Rivers is going to sit. It doesn't matter probably so much, except maybe you see a few more minutes from Eric Gordon. We were trying to figure out which top, what big money guys to play tonight. We sort of talked about why Embiid might be problematic. We talked about why Giannis and Kawhi might be problematic. Is it a time where we just continue to pay all-time peak prices for a guy like Harden? Is it an overpay here? Does he represent... Maybe a level of safety. He's twelve eight on Fanduel. A level of safety that the other guys just don't provide. Just considering the nature of just how he gets his points. Yeah, I, I could play Harden now. Uh, we were down about eight hundred dollars off recent prices. You know, the full fourteen hundred dollars off the peak prices when Chris Paul was out, and we've seen that he can fairly reliably pay a price like this. I, I think on a big slate, I'm also expecting to be able to get a decent amount of value elsewhere. Uh, like you know, just. Almost inevitably, we're going to get some $3,500 player or another to be able to show up in lineups. And I think Harden, especially in the close game here, a lot of the other big money guys we've discussed so far um, have just their own flaws. And like at Kawhi, I'm concerned about the blowout. We already talked about Embiid in the blowout risk. We talked about Giannis and just the general minutes risk. So as we start to kind of whittle down the available options, we start running out of expensive players pretty quickly. So yeah, Harden's definitely, I could see showing up in our cash games tonight. I like the continued usage out of Harden, and I'm a little worried about the assist numbers. He has two, but since Paul, yeah, the last four games, point. the last four games Paul's been back, he had seven assists. This is Harden, seven assists last game, but then two consecutive mm-hmm. games, only one assist, yeah. and then the Phoenix game where he had six. And you see where those assists are going. They're going directly to Paul. Paul's assist numbers 11, yep. 9, 11, 4 in the last three quarters. And it just games. makes sense. He's more of a natural distributor anyway. Of right? course, of course. So I think that's where the, I'm not as worried about the usage, although that is down a little bit also. And how could it not? The guy was taking just an ungodly amount of shots. And I'm not so worried about the scoring, and I'm just a little worried about the assist numbers. And we'll kind of I'll go into the back end and make sure that we are correct on where we're landing on his assist numbers. But like I said, from a floor perspective, he, you of course are paying for it. He's like 3,000 more than guys like Kawhi or something like that. But the from a floor perspective, he represents a level of safety more than those guys. And I think it's just going to be a matter of price and where you're able to take some of your bigger money payoffs. Other guys that are sort of creeping around our system right now, Kenneth Freed and PJ Tucker. It's not a terrible matchup here against Minnesota. I mean, I should have, I should have probably mentioned on Minnesota side. Again, Carl Anthony Towns should be able to just destroy this Houston team. And we've seen many times with Towns, the should doesn't always translate to the does, right? Like, so right. they have no one that can really effectively guard him from a size or athleticism standpoint here. I mean, he is he towers over guys like Fareed and Nene, and especially on the athletic side, and just Towns, I don't know, just disappears too much. I, is, I, I kind of skipped over him on the Minnesota side. This really is a good matchup for him, but like, what do you think? Should we? It's Towns a guy we can prioritize. He's 10-3 on DraftKings. That's a pretty nice price for a guy that really shouldn't meet any resistance, and I just worry that he disappears too much. 
No, I think I like Towns on DraftKings. I, you know, it's funny. Towns has certainly gotten that reputation this season, but in my mind, there's been somewhat of a good reason for it recently. Uh, so in the Clippers game, he was just in foul trouble, played fewer minutes than you would expect out of him recently. He still shot 20 times against New Orleans. Um, and prior to that, he was just ripping off these high-tier double-doubles with a few defensive stats and kind of routinely playing a $10,300 price tag. I certainly think there's always blowout risk when it comes to players like this just because big men tend to lose their minutes first they tend not to be involved in the comeback quite as often but towns is actually sort of an exception to that rule given the fact that he can stretch it out to three so yeah i think you can play towns on DraftKings. on FanDuel. i'm a little bit less excited about it just because the comparable price is higher and you know there's just other stuff with positional flexibility and so on that kind of make him less appealing to me but sure if he shows up in DraftKings, i could absolutely do it like you said houston very undermanned to defend an offensive player of his caliber right now Memphis goes in and plays Chicago. Chicago two-point favorites here. Memphis, the news on them last night, Mike Conley sat with uh, with an injury, with a, a thigh injury. Oh, no, excuse me. No, no, no. Apologies. He sat with an illness. Uh, DeLon Wright got the start for him. was a heavy, heavy chalk play. They did start Jonas. Or excuse me. They played Jonas Valanciunas. They kind of rotated a lot of their big men through the pipeline. I think we probably just need to wait on the Conley news. The illness... Illness is ten, tends to mean you come back, and I just don't know. Memphis has no incentive to win either, so I just don't know where they're going to end up landing with Conley. So I, I was going to couch this by saying, wait till closer to wait till closer to lock to know if Conley's playing. I think you can run out Delon right there, and then Chicago. I, I almost just want to say skip here. I don't know. The, the, they're playing Memphis. Memphis still plays <laughs> slow as anything. Memphis is another one that's like they kind of just they stay in games. They they've been playing pretty good defense. They're so they're really really slow. Delon right will not really. Uh, tick up the pace all that much for them. Uh, any any thoughts here? I think I can just move on from this game. No, I think your intuition to move on from this game is probably correct, <laughs> especially given the size of the slate. Miami and Dallas. Uh, Dallas is two and a half point home favorites with a 209 over under. Guys are going to keep coming around, at least from our system's perspective, are guys like Deion Waiters, who's now starting for Tyler Johnson. Uh, Justice Winslow is basically, essentially, their point guard. He played 36 minutes last game, finished with 15 points, four rebounds, no assists. So not much of a not much of a distributor. Those assists mostly went to Richardson and Waiters. I get from a I get from like a minutes perspective why some of these guys are showing up. They do seem like they kind of come and go in a way that I, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable for cash games. What are your thoughts on Miami? They Mostly, for the most part, the minutes have been steadier among the wing starters. I'm saying Winslow, Richardson, yep. and Waiters. Richardson. And then Whitesides, again, he does his Whiteside thing where he just plays 20 or 30 minutes. You'd never know. And Olin <laughs> played 28 minutes last game. But what, what about Winslow and Waiters? Because from a points-per-dollar perspective, they are coming up pretty high in our system. Yeah, I recommended Waiters on the smaller slate, slate the other day against Golden State. I think he's sort of a sneaky value right now because I think he does bring an element to this offense that's really desperate for shot creators uh, and I, I think that actually some of what he can do has not been totally explored just yet. So uh, fairly cheap price point. Dallas, kind of the definition of a league average matchup, basically playing a slightly below average pace and a slightly below average defense. Uh, yeah, I, I think these guys are like totally unexciting, but reasonably high floor if push comes to shove is kind of my general feeling about these guys. Now, I'm not sure their re- respective positions shooting guard and small forward are shallow enough to where you'll need to take a risk like that. But certainly on you know the smaller slates, late slates, express slates, and so forth, these guys can be in your lineups and probably not worry you too much here. I will say, if you were going to try to get a Hassan Whiteside game where he is not going to meet a lot in terms of size and just overall just brute force, this is the Dallas does not bring anything like that to the table. So if we're fi- trying to sneak out a 30-minute 
2020 game. I mean, I'm going very high here on Whiteside, but he has that kind of potential when he actually plays. Uh, this is this does seem like on paper one of the matchups that can get him there, and you just you're hard pressed to do it in cash at these prices just because he again too often plays 20 minutes. I need a documentary on why Hassan Whiteside plays 20 minutes sometimes. That's just what I need. The Heat are trying to compete for a playoff spot. The guy just dropped 19 rebounds in 28 minutes against Sacramento, and he just literally can't stay on the court. I get why he can't stay on the court against like Golden State, but against Denver. He, he can only play 19 minutes? I'm aghast. Where they, where they go double big, too? Like, they go double That's big. That's what I mean. Well, isn't that, like, the dream? Isn't that, like, why you have Hassan Whiteside on your team for exactly games like that? I'll just never understand it. I won't. Yeah, it does, it, it does seem like the one is like, oh, my God, 32 minutes out of this guy because they're just going to need to have kind of, of like, course. Keep, keep him on plumb league. And then, <laughs> of course, they just lose by 15. And I'm just looking real quick. And they actually did out-rebound the Denver that game. So anyway, whatever. Uh, it, again, this is Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell. These are not guys. It seems like this could be a volume rebounding game for Whiteside and famous last words. What about Doncic? Uh, he's been playing pretty steady minutes. He's, I don't know, but since they shipped off Dennis Smith and the team is really 100% his now, he's kind of expensive and also kind of a guy just showing up near our lineups. Like 38 and 36 minutes the last two. He did a 28, 28.9 rebound, six assist game. Uh, against Portland, and then 21-10-8 against Houston. Is he a guy we might just be low on rate stats and maybe even low on the minutes? Like, they've been pretty aggressive with his minutes lately. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Doncic? Because I know this is a guy that we've been – we've gone back and forth about where we think his safety lies, but if these minutes are going to be real, then uh, maybe he just is a kind of a triple-double threat on a nightly basis. Well, so I think the minutes are real. I think that right now we were probably a little bit over-aggressive in boosting him at – after Dennis Smith Jr. left the team. Uh, I think that was a combination of Doncic playing a, a lot of minutes without Smith in the first place, you know, kind of basically the fact that, like, his stats were already kind of pinned to the current reality. And, uh, yeah, I, just look, looking at the recent game log, even in pretty good matchups, he hasn't really been impressive on this price point against a league average or worst matchup against Miami. I would be pretty... I'd be kind of bummed to play him, honestly, in a, a huge slate like this at 10,000. It just seems like a classic overpay to me. What about 8,800 on DraftKings? Yeah, it's, I mean, certainly more attractive at 8,800 on DraftKings. I think it's playable. I still maintain that we're just too high on his overall production. Like, I think, yeah, that, that's my, my final take on it. I just think that it's very, very ambitious to, like, we were giving him something like 10% boost across the board on stuff based on early returns. Like, I think we were trying to read the tea leaves, and I think we were just too aggressive. And I, I suspect that that proj- projection will come down dramatically before we're actually at a, Kick off see, I'm not sure because I can, well, I can see you're just adjusting some things here, and I, well, let me just throw out a number that I, let's just see where we agree on this, and then we can move on from this because I think this just this speaks to how we kind of formulate projections at times. I'm right listening. now, we we have him without some of those more aggressive boosts. We have our system now has him at 15 shots for this game. He's taken okay. 17, 19, 14, 20, 25 over the last four, five games. Um, so the 15 shots on these minutes would represent his second lowest shooting game of the recent. I mean, of like the last two weeks. Do you think that strikes you as correct or because so the question is, what's his like true number of shots per game going forward? That's uh, what we're trying to determine. Well, we're like tw- we're like 20 percent lower than what he's done over the last five games right now. Like after after that recent update that you just made. So is that? Yeah, I think that- I think you could argue that we were a minute low. I think you could probably bump up the usage just the regular shot usage a little bit we had him for bumps in rebounds as well like i don't know why his rebounds would get better with dennis smith jr out of the game 10 9 um, 3 10 11 he's averaged nine almost nine rebounds a game over the last five games also 
okay, we had him for prior to me adjusting it back downward, we had him projected for 49 and change fantasy points, which would be his second highest game in the last okay. five, right? And Miami, I think we can probably agree it's not as strong a matchup as some of these other matchups. So I don't know. I, I'm comfortable with not being aggressive on Doncic. I, I just don't see... I don't, I don't know why I would, I guess, right? Like, I mean, I get that he's probably playable on DraftKings at 8,800, but I really believe strongly that he's not the guy against Miami of all teams that's plenty of competent wing defenders. Like, well, they could just stick Winslow on him, right? Like, isn't that kind of the, the fear here that Winslow gets on him and then all of a sudden he doesn't get 20 shots in the air? Or if he does, they're of a lower quality than, than usual? Yeah, this know. one's closer for me. I, like, I, also, I will, I will say one more thing about this, is that jettisoning Harrison Barnes also helps with the usage also. Like, um, so the, Bar- the, the Barnes plus Smith piece of the yes, usage pr- probably, um, it wasn't just a Dennis Smith thing. Getting Barnes' 15 shots out of there. Um, it does represent yeah, another way to get, I don't know, to get him probably closer to that 19 shots per game that we that he's been doing over the short term. And if the rebounds came and went a little bit more than they have been in the short term, then I wouldn't be shocked. All right. Uh, that's that's going to be one that I think we can talk. We'll talk about that one on the Twitch stream tonight. Sacramento goes in and plays Denver. 231 over under here. Denver eight-point favorites. Millsap, Paul Millsap came back last game and came off the bench. They, they, they kept Mason Plumley in the starting lineup. So I don't know if that's still a place where we want to be aggressive. Sacramento plays at a pretty fast pace. This seems like it should be a good matchup for Denver going that direction. And we just have had a pretty long run now of guys' opportunity at these price points. What are your thoughts here on the Nuggets? Yeah, I think that's kind of it. I mean, this is a matchup where you could stretch things a little bit. And I think if you wanted to and you wanted to just kind of take a stab on Jokic, especially for big tournaments, I think you could make a case for it. I think... There's certainly a way it could bite you. I think Plumley actually, kind of oddly, even though he's up at 6,000, he's been playing consistent 32 to 36-minute yep. rotations, especially in close games. And I think that he could – he's not going to hurt you as much against Sacramento for some of the things he doesn't do very well. So I could see playing Plumley as well. Uh, I think some of the other guys, like you know the wings, the guards, that kind of thing, none of them are particularly piquing my interest right now. Um, yeah, I think I agree. Denver's also a very good defensive matchup, so getting the Kings going the other way really isn't yeah, all no. that great of an opportunity. Harrison Barnes has come in there and played 30 minutes, and you got blowout risk too. Like, yeah, I mean, eight point favorites for Denver. Yeah, Harrison Barnes, sure, he's gotten the increased opportunity, but again, I just don't know that you need to really stick your neck out on it. 10:30 games. Suns go in and play the Clippers. Uh, Clippers feel like they should be a, this should be a spot where we should be able to target their guys against the Suns, who are still terrible on defense, play at a fast pace. And these were the minutes out of the starters last game: 26, 15, 32, 22, 18. That's what the starters played last game. Now, then they brought <laughs> then they brought in Harrell, who played 35 minutes. Shamit played 33 minutes. Lou Williams played in th- played 34 minutes. So the the bench minutes were, I mean, even Jermichael Green played more than Garrett Temple and <laughs> Zubak. So I is this just too? Can you even trust anything with the Clippers now? It seems like they're trying to tank. Based on the, some of the moves they made, great matchup. But man, I you can't like play like Harold and like Lou Williams. They're not much. trying to tank. I mean, they're four games over five hundred. They're not going to just start losing on purpose. There's no way to, no better way to just completely erode credibility with your fan base than to. I mean, I get that they traded Harris and kind of building to the future, but they're tied for a playoff spot right now. Like, I don't think that's where they want to end up. But I, 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 but may I, or may not be. But they can't openly throw. Is my position. So. 
Yeah. Well, what are you doing when you team. what are you doing when you play your starters no minutes? I, like I, they're maybe you just. I mean, the, the Clippers have always kind of had an interest in like the way they've deployed Lou Williams. Like they've they've done second unit stuff. I don't. You don't want to play any Clippers for cash games or anything. So don't get me wrong. Um, I guess I'm just quibbling about the idea that they would be just like openly tanking their season. There's just no point. Like moving up a, a spot or two in the draft is, I think, a lot worse for your franchise than just like even just getting the eighth seed and just getting dumpster by Golden State. Uh, on the Phoenix side, though, I do like some of the stuff going the other way. I, I'm not too worried about the eight-point spread, and I think guys like Tyler Johnson in particular still too cheap, even if he hasn't popped off recently. And I think even DeAndre Ayton uh, against a team that could really struggle to deal with his size and athleticism, I think he would even be playable in cash games too. So uh, I'm definitely not ruling this game out altogether, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not as excited about the Clippers side, I think. Tyler Johnson questionable, so we'll kind of hopefully yeah, you got to keep an eye on it for get sure. Get some news. All right, final game. Uh, Golden State goes in and plays Portland. Golden State coming on the back to back here. They uh, the news out of this one is Boogie Cousins is going to sit uh, on the back to back, so um, he I, I'm guessing Kevon Looney gets the start for Golden State. All the other guys have they've said that they're going to play as of right now. So uh, I have to just trust that's going to be the case. It's a 10:30 game, and they, like I said, mm-hmm. they did come out with the Cousins news early. Do you want to play Looney here in this matchup against Portland? Do you does Cousins leaving open up enough opportunity for guys like Curry and Clay and Durant? I and mean, he's been he's averaged eleven shots per game. That's opening yeah. up a fair amount of usage, uh, even in the twenty eight to twenty seven to twenty eight minutes. What are your thoughts? Final thoughts here on, on Warriors before we get out of here? Yeah, I could play Looney. I think I think he's cheap enough, and you know it's like starting to get in the range of guys you can consider if you picture he gets like twenty seven, twenty eight minutes. Uh, you know we know that they used to not have boogie and looney wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire so i don't think he should be an 80 percent start or anything uh i think as far as the other guys i see them all as like reasonable values i'm not super excited necessarily about what boogie opens up for them 11 shots a game is something but it's not you know like many guys who start and play 28 minutes would shoot 11 shots right it's not like when boogie was on the kings and he would open up 25 shots and 14 rebounds a game or anything like that so yeah i think it's a, it's a factor worth putting into the system but again it's not worth bending over backwards to do it um the one guy our system is kind of still looking at right now though is curry at 9100 and people aren't going to love to see it but he has i mean he is a, a nine thousand dollar player in the past and like, do we believe the short sample size recently, basically starting in February, where he really hasn't been that player? Or do you think that we can just run him out here again tonight, even though we're going to get complaints from our members-only chat room? Really? I don't know about that. I, lo- I love Curry in this matchup. I think that, like, opening you up— You do, but you're really smart. That's the that's the difference between <laughs> you and some people. I don't want to say who exactly, but some the people. Blazers, the Blazers, you know, Blazers' perimeter defense is pretty bad with Lillard and McCollum. Uh, that's been—that's borne out for just years now. There's no other way around it. Uh, I think—I do think the Cousins thing, in terms of just— that just little tick up in, in usage, and as Curry's price has trended down just a little bit because of the recent performance, for a couple different reasons, I'm totally, totally fine. Like when we were talking about other guys to play, like Kawhi and Giannis and these other guys, uh, I'm 9100 on Curry. I'm totally fine with that. This, especially to a game that should stay close, it's exactly what you're looking for with Curry, right? You're looking for that game, uh, like leverage game for the Western Conference that's going to have him at peak minutes. I think this is just that kind of game. I'm not worried about it at all. And other people that complain about it, be damned. All right, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com is the site, dfsr.com for short, dfsr.com slash NBA. We'll get you that free trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Buddy, enjoy your Wednesday in the NBA. Thanks, man.
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. 